Good morning, Strong Tower, family and friends. Welcome to our 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning service. In just a few moments, our very own pastor, Dr. Chris Williamson, will be bringing a timely word. If you have prayer requests or would like to give online, be sure to log on to our website or app at www.strongtowerbiblechurch.com. And now, without further ado, here is our pastor, Dr. Chris Williamson. As we come to the time in our worship service to hear a word from the Lord, would you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11? And as you're turning there, I'd like to acknowledge the fact that last week I made a, an announcement on behalf of the elders that Strong Tower Bible Church would not meet corporately through the end of 2020 uh, due to COVID-19 and our need to remain distant and healthy as we pray for the Lord to intervene in this pandemic. And I want to thank you for the kind remarks and responses that you sent to me um, in agreement with the decision that the elders and I made. It was not a decision that was easy for us, but we know that it was a necessary decision to make. And even those of you who d do not totally agree with our decision, you made it very clear that you submit to us and the decision that we made. And so we just want to say thank you. Um, we are in, as we all know, unprecedented times as we're dealing with COVID-19 and then also COVID-1619. And both of these pandemics, which are floating in the air, which can be deadly um, to individuals, we have to deal with. We've never had to deal with this kind of combination, um, at least in my lifetime. And, um, and I wanna acknowledge what this is doing to you and what it's doing to me, because these are different days. And when we think of what happened last Sunday, the same day that I made the announcement on behalf of the elders about Strong Tower Bible Church's guidelines going forward, was also the same day that um, there was upheaval in Kenosha, Wisconsin, when Jacob Blake was shot seven to eight times in his back by law enforcement. And as I communicate this message to you today, um, facts surrounding that horrible situation are still being brought out. So I'm not here to try to speak guilt or innocence one way or the other. That's not my place. But I am here to say that it hurts. Um, no matter what is going to come out later, as far as the case is concerned, that right now, in this moment, we are having to relive more trauma, not only as a nation, as far as racial trauma, but especially and in particularly with African-Americans of what we're having to relive uh, personally and how this opens up many wounds. So as we're dealing with a health crisis, we also have to deal with now a mental health 
crisis. Because I know that many of you are hurting mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. You know the Lord is the answer, but you just don't have any answers right now. Some of us are all cried out. Some of us are dumbfounded. Some of us are angry. Some of us are fearful. And what makes this even worse is that we're not even in a place where we can hug one another and hold one another and lament together because of the health restrictions. And so many of us don't know what to do or where to turn. And I must confess to you that I really don't know what to say to our church and to those who watch Strong Tower Bible Church from around the country and around the world. I, I'm at a loss for words, even though my Bible is before me and it's the word of God. I'm at a loss for words right now. It's kind of like having a closet full of clothes, but not knowing what to wear. Um, God has spoken. God is speaking, but I don't know what to say um, because there are so many doors in which we enter into this situation that we find ourselves in. So many different experiences that um, a diverse church like ours has. But I want to make sure that I give specific attention in this moment to black believers in our church and black folks who are watching us, um, that the Lord is here to bind up your broken heart and that you can cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And as I came here today to record this sermon, I spoke with one of the mothers of our church who has a son who just moved to the area in Wisconsin where the uprise is taking place right now. Um, he is one exit away and he just moved to town. And so this black mother is concerned about the wherewithal and the overall health of her black son, who is surrounded primarily by white people where he lives and not knowing when he can go out to even get groceries um, for his new apartment in which he lives in. And so this is real. It hits home. And I know for some of us, um, some things don't hit home until they hit home. And uh, th this is hard. And so I want to say to black mothers of Strong Tower who have black sons that the Lord is watching over you. The Lord is watching over him, over them. And he is a better protector and guardian than we can ever be. And for those of us who practice the Christian discipline of dedicating our children to the Lord, might we remember what that dedication was all about? It was a reminder that this child ultimately belongs to God and not to us, but to black mothers. Uh, may God calm your fears. May God give you strength in this hour and to white mothers in our church who have adopted black sons or you have an interracial son or interracial sons, biracial sons, and you feel um, that ominous threat as well. You, you feel that fear. Um, I just want to say to you that we don't need to try to be more spiritual than what we are. 
We can admit where we are and we can trust the Lord to take us to where we would like to be. But this is where we are right now. And I just want to acknowledge you, your feelings, your concerns, um, the predicament that you find yourself in that might be awkward and not knowing what to say or what to do. Once again, I'm so glad that you have. We have a God who knows what we have need of before we ask. We have a God. You have a God whose name is Emmanuel and he is with us and he has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And we know that he will use these things um, to press in on us that all the more we might look up to him. But we know that your children and my son, uh, black son, my black daughters have angels who watch over them just as we have angels who watch over us. So today um, I want to do my best to just try to be a pastor and shepherd you long distance, shepherd you um, virtually, but I also want to speak prophetically where the Lord may move upon me um, in this message. I had another message prepared, a part two from last Sunday that I was working on um, even this morning when I got up and I was on um, a Zoom call and, uh, and I wasn't aware of some of the developments that were happening in Wisconsin and uh, even some of you had reached out to me for prayer just in terms of seeing these images again and what that does to you or what it has done. And so um, I'm freestyling right now. Um, I have a text, but I really don't know which way I'm going to go. So I'm calling on my old hip hop days when you kind of wrap off the top of your head. Um, and I hope that God will allow a word to, to minister to you right now. So John chapter 11, I'll begin reading at verse 38. The Bible says, then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? I call your attention to verse 39 for the title of this freestyle sermon. When Martha said to the Lord, Lord, by this time there is a stench for he has been dead for days. So with your prayers and with the help of the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you and myself today with a message entitled, This Stinks. This Stinks. Let's pray. Jesus, you told us that in this life, we would have tribulation. But you went on to say that we can be of good cheer because you have overcome the world. Father, as we read the Bible, we see that there is trauma in many of the chapters of Scripture. There was trauma, as we learned last week, when the Egyptians would expose Hebrew babies 
and throw Hebrew male boys into the Nile River, that there was trauma in the book of Daniel, trauma in the book of Numbers, trauma, Lord, in the book of Nehemiah, all through scripture, Lord, there's trauma because we live in a fallen world. And like the world, we are groaning to be clothed with our eternal glory. We go to the New Testament and we know that Paul spoke about trauma. He experienced trauma and violent oppression. And he could say that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed to us. So, Lord, in the midst of trial and tribulation, we know that you're present and we know that there is hope. But, Lord, as we're going to be reminded today from Scripture that Jesus, the son of God, was able to be human enough to feel the pain and God enough to do something about it. So, Lord, would you walk up and down the homes of your people in Strong Tower Bible Church, of your people across the country and around the globe who are dealing with all kinds of issues and problems? Lord, I thank you that we, they are not alone. I thank you, Lord, that you are very present in our time of trouble. So we bless you. Help me, Lord, to edify and build up your people today. For it's in Jesus name that I pray. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. This this stinks. This stinks. This moment in history, whether from COVID-19 or COVID-1619, or a dreadful combination of both. This stinks right now. This stinks. And when I consider what occurred here in John chapter 11, we know that this is the story when Jesus went to Bethany because his friend Lazarus had gotten sick and then passed away. And Jesus came and he said, let's go to the tomb, to the graveside. And when he went to the graveside, the Bible says in John 11, verse 35, that Jesus wept. He wept because he loved Lazarus. He wept because he was human. He wept because he could be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He wept because he understood the carnage and the mayhem that death has wrought upon his creation ever since Adam sinned in the garden. So our Lord wept. Our Lord is, according to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He wasn't so spiritual that he couldn't feel. He wasn't so spiritual that he couldn't cry. Matter of fact, he was man enough to cry and to emote in public. Oh, we need more men who understand their manhood in God, that they can be emotional, not only in private, not only alone, but even in public as a display of their love for a deceased friend. And as much as we can identify with Christ, because we all have been in places where we have been sorrowful. 
And we can remember his words where he said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. That we have a God who understands what we're going through because he put on the robes of humanity, suited up in this game, became vulnerable to the things that we are vulnerable and susceptible to. So he understands there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I believe that friend is Jesus Christ. And so as we can identify with him through humanity and even rejoice over the fact that our God came down, became like one of us and that he understands hurt. He understands death. And what it can bring upon a family, even a community. But I can't stay there because I also need to recognize that he is also God. And as God, Jesus can do the impossible. And as God, Jesus can minister to our souls in ways that no human being can. He gave us the Holy Spirit to comfort us and console us and guide us and lead us and strengthen us so that when we don't even know how to pray, the Holy Spirit interprets the groans and the moans in our soul and takes them to heaven, to the throne of God on our behalf. What a mighty God, what an awesome God, what a good God, what a real God, what a mighty God, a righteous God that we serve. Thank you, Jesus. And I love the fact that the Lord wept in that moment as man, even though he knew in a few moments as God, he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So this gives us hope that we know this thing is going to get better in the by and by. Now, we just don't want it better in heaven. We do want it better on earth as it is in heaven. And we know we've come a long way, but we also know we still have a long way to go as a nation, especially when we think about racial disparities. But Jesus wept, even though he knew what was about to happen, about the victory that was about to come. He sat in that moment so that he could be with those who were mourning in that moment, Mary, Martha, and all of the community who loved Lazarus. So our Lord knows the end from the beginning. Our Lord, who has already seen the future, he's already there as the I am, the one who was and is and is to come. He's already there. He knows what's going to happen. He knows we're already seated in heavenly places. But he's also present with you and me right now with our questions, with our concerns, with our agony, with our angst. I can't overstate that enough. I hope you understand truly the Lord is with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is with you and he is bearing this burden. As a matter of fact, he invites you if you're tired and if you're weary of all of this junk. He says, come to me if you're burdened and heavy laden. And then he says, I will give you rest. Somebody in Strong Tower needs rest today. Not just a physical rest, but a soul rest. We know glory is coming. A better day is coming, but it's OK if you just sit right now and weep. If you just sit right now and say, Lord, I'm in despair. Lord, I'm confused. Lord, I'm perplexed. And he's with you. But I got to take you down to verse 39, our focus today. After Jesus says, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, 
by this time there is a stench for he has been dead four days. There's a stench. There's a stench. There's a stench. There's a stench because the body begins to go into decay on the fourth day. The Jews understood this, which is why God made it very clear about his son, Jesus, that not only would none of his bones be broken, ah, but he would not be in the grave long enough to suffer decay in his body. So when Jesus died and he was wrapped up in the uh, burial cloths and placed inside of the tomb, the Bible lets us know he was there for three days and God resurrected him. Jesus resurrected himself. The spirit raised the Lord up from the dead on the third day before the fourth day when the body would suffer decay and stink. So Jesus's body did not stink by the time he resurrected on the third day. But as it pertains to Lazarus, his body has begun decay and there is a foul smell that's about to come out of that cave, out of that sepulcher. And so when the disciples are pushing the stone away, Martha says, Lord, he's been in there four days. It's going to smell really bad. But Jesus turns to her and says, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? The glory of God is on its way. What is that? A new day, a day of resurrection, a day of new life, a day when Lazarus, their loved one, would be alive. So glory is about to be seen in a matter of moments if you can wait. But in the meantime, between now and then, there's going to be stench in the air. There's going to be a putrid smell in the air. So before we can get to the blessed aroma of life, we've got to go through the putrid smell of death. We can't jump past the funk of death to get to the blessedness of life. No more than Jesus jumped past weeping at the tomb to get to the resurrection. No, 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 no. He sat in that moment and he understood this moment. And so I know as uh, people who live in the 21st century that we're used to getting things just like that. And, and we get upset if our Internet is delayed. We we get upset if what we put in the microwave and and if it's not ready in 15 seconds and we're pacing in front of the microwave at that, that, that we're not used to waiting in this culture. We get things on demand how we want and when we want. And so there are times where God has to remind us that spiritual growth doesn't work like that. Spiritual growth happens uh, over time. It, it happens through strain. It happens through pain. Uh, spiritual growth happens through unpleasant things in life. Uh, no pain, no gain. And so there, there's a time where we must sit and we must smell something that is offensive. And when I think about what is going on right now in our nation, 
there's a stench in the air. And when it comes to race and this country, there has always been a stench in the air. And there have been many people, especially white evangelical Christians, who want to try to disguise the, 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 the putrid smell with some kind of air freshener that they call grace, trying to overwhelm the, 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 the smell of death brought about by racism, but it doesn't work. And we have people whose nostrils are not used to that smell, but other people, people in my community from my ethnic group and other minorities, unfortunately, we are used to the smell of racism, which is a smell of death. We're used to it. And so we, we can bear with it more than others who are not used to its smell. And when you smell it, you try to spray it away, but it doesn't go away. It just smells like niceties and platitudes trying to cover up this cloud of this pungent aroma called racism. And I believe what the Lord wants from us is to not cover it up and not try to jump straight to the day of glory. But I think God wants us to smell it. And I think there are some of us who need to smell it more than others. So when that stone gets rolled away and the light hits that grave, smell, the, the, the horrible smell comes out. And as God's light is shining, as we move closer and closer to the return of Jesus, there's a smell that's coming out. And unfortunately, it's not a sweet aroma to the nostrils of God. It's a horrible smell in the nostrils of man. It stinks. It stinks that unarmed black men in the day appear to be more of a threat to police than armed white men at night. That stinks. I can't carry an assault rifle down the middle of the street in the middle of the night and have police officers give me bottles of water and say that they're glad that I'm here helping them out. Um, I, I can't do that. I would never try to do that. I'm just trying to make sure I stay alive when I get pulled over for maybe not using my blinker. I just want to make sure I stay alive. When I go into a store and I keep my hands where everybody can see them and I don't make any sudden gestures. So I'm definitely not walking down the street with a gun. I don't have that kind of privilege. I don't have that kind of um, confidence in the system that they will treat me like the American that I am. But I'll talk about that as I close. But it stinks. It stinks that it takes three days to even get a word from the police department in Wisconsin about what happened. And then when the events come forth, I don't know if I can trust the word of the police department. I don't know what's been skewed. I don't know what's been changed. I don't know what has been uh, uh, fabricated because it's taken so long. And by the way, Waiting three days is nothing for how long we've been waiting for the police who shot Breonna Taylor to be arrested. And again, we haven't even heard anything about that case. 
So as black people in America, we say this kind of stuff stinks, even though we're used to the smell, even though unfortunately we've gotten a little bit callous to the smell, it still stinks nonetheless. And we've almost come uh, uh, to, to, to become used to the smell as if we worked out at a horse track surrounded by horse dung all day long. After a while, you just get used to the smell of manure. And we've gotten used to the smell of racism in this country. And we're tired. We're tired. We're tired. As Doc Rivers, NBA basketball coach, said when he was interviewed, and he said that for black people, we don't understand why this country does not love us the way that we love it. Why? When I go back to what happened with the Civil War and over 180,000 slaves joined the Union Army and became sworn in as United States colored troop soldiers, they technically weren't citizens of the United States of America. They were still seen as property technically because it wouldn't be until the 13th Amendment that black people would get their quote unquote citizenship by being free or not even that we'd be freed from the institution of slavery. Then another amendment would give us citizenship. But even then, we have not been treated like citizens, even though we fought in every world war, every war in this nation's history. So we've proven we love the country. But when we protest, when we feel that the country is not fair with us, then we get accused of not being patriotic. And we get tired of having that light cast upon us when all we're saying is we want to be treated like everybody else. And until we get treated like everybody else, we will continue to herald Black Lives Matter because to so many people, Black lives have not mattered and they do not matter. And there are quote unquote Christians who, when they saw what happened, in Wisconsin with Mr. Blake being shot seven to eight times in the back at close range. These people will rise up and they will talk and they will excuse what happened. They they will justify what happened, talking about there was a lack of compliance. So they'll excuse it. They'll justify it. And some will even coldly celebrate. The shooting of a black man. And they'll jump on my page on social media to support those beliefs and to, again, even try to tease and mock people in the black community as we're grieving and as we're suffering. They come along with a spirit of white supremacy, which acts as if it's on some high moral ground when really they're acting like nothing but devils. We should be grieved that a man's life has been changed until he dies because he was shot seven to eight times in his back at close range. Again, I don't know all of the events, everything that happened, but I have to believe that could have been handled better. I have to believe the way I have seen white people get treated 
by the police when they do things far worse, far confrontational than Mr. Blake. And yet they remain alive and to live another day to talk about it. I don't understand the disparity. Well, I do understand it. But I don't accept it. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. But all in all, it stinks and we're tired of smelling this. We're tired of smelling this. We're tired of smelling this. It stinks that in situations like these, the burden of proof is typically placed upon black people. But the benefit of the doubt is usually given to white people. I have the burden of proof. My white brother gets the benefit of the doubt that stinks and that wears us out. It stinks that citizens, white citizens in particular, deputize themselves and cross over into other states. Acting as if they are a, 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 an authorized militia to come against protesters who are protesting in their own neighborhoods and communities. Who told you to do that? Who who gave you the right to do that? It stinks. It stinks that the Kenosha shooter is 17 years old. And at 17, he can't buy beer. At 17, he can't rent a car. At 17, he can't join the military. At 17, he can't vote. But at 17, he can have an assault rifle. If you don't think that stinks and you call yourself a Christian, you worship America more than you worship God. You worship capitalism more than you worship the God of the kingdom. You're more westernized than a true child of God. But isn't that again the lure and the lie of white supremacy that often equates itself with Christianity? Because while I'm here, it also stinks that this country has chosen to align itself with an unbiblical caricature of Jesus. White Jesus stinks because white Jesus doesn't understand the pain of black people. White Jesus will not jump into the fight with black people. White Jesus represents the spirit of white supremacy that many within the white evangelical church still uphold to this day. It stinks, it stinks, it stinks when armed mass shooters are routinely apprehended alive, but unarmed black people are routinely killed out of fear that they might be armed. We have a system, obviously, that is built on unjust scales. Let me close by going to Proverbs chapter 11. I got one verse to read from Proverbs 11, but what I'm about to read is found in multiple places in Proverbs. It's found in 16, 11, Proverbs 20, verse 10, Proverbs 20, verse 23. But I'm going to read to you from Proverbs 11, verse 1, where it says, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord. In other words, 
God doesn't like it when some people rob other people. God doesn't like it when some people criminalize other people and mistreat other people and take advantage of other people and that there is a lack of balance and justice in the scales. One group of people gets a particular kind of justice. Another group of people gets injustice. The scales are not balanced for all people. And the Bible says that differing scales are an abomination to the Lord. And this word abomination means that it is something that stinks to God. Literally, when something is abominable, that means it is unworthy, that it is offensive when something is abominable or an abomination. So a smell can be offensive. An abomination, this thing God, the Bible says, the Lord hates dishonest scales. They are an abomination. They are offensive to him. And so crooked merchants in the days of King Solomon, who wrote Proverbs, crooked merchants had two sets of weights, one for buying and one for selling. So they would put the, their weight on the scale and the merchant would come up and put his or her item on the scale in order to try to balance out to make sure that there's going to be a fair price, a just equitable price. And so the crooked merchant would use lighter weights when selling, but heavier weights when buying from people. So he would get his weights, the heavy weights, and put it on there so that when a merchant came to want to sell him something, he would, they would put their wares on the scale and it would, it would take a while to balance out. So he would get more from the person coming in than they intended to give, no doubt. And when it came time for him to then sell something, he would lighten the scale so that when the person comes in, the scale will go up quickly and, and it would work again in his favor. I probably didn't explain that clearly, but basically this dude um, had dice. Oh yeah, some of y'all know about dice that were loaded. And based on how they landed, they would always come up in favor of the one rolling the dice. And so although the merchant may not know it, God sees it. And God says it's an abomination. It is offensive. It stinks to him. What he delights in is when the scales are just short for justice, when they're balanced properly. And ever since this country was formed, the scales have been unjust, imbalanced as it pertains to how black people are seen, how black people are treated, not just by law enforcement, but in every institution and structure in America. I just saw an article recently where a couple had put their home on the market and it came in under value as determined by um, the appraisal. But then when they took down the pictures in the house, of black family members and then had the appraisal redone, it was hundred, over $100,000 more that the appraisal came in. 
Why? Because somebody went around there looking and seeing the presence of black people and it affected the scales. And so the pictures had to be removed in order to balance the scales out. And so whether we are talking about what happens in a house that's about to be sold or what's happening on the street between law enforcement and people of color. And we don't even want to talk about what happens in the courtroom and who doesn't even make it into the courtroom because they don't even get charged for murder or charged for attempted murder, because that's usually what happens in this country. And it stinks. So Strong Tower, I, I don't have a lot of answers today. And I don't have to have a faith that has to put a bow on everything so that we can feel good. Sometimes we have to sit by the grave or by the bedside and acknowledge it stinks. Now, I do know glory is coming, but right now this stinks. And Jesus is right there with you, acknowledging what you smell. But he also knows a better day is coming. I close by mentioning Malcolm X. Malcolm X said these words, I'm for truth. No matter who tells it. I'm for justice. No matter who it is for or against. I'm a human being first and foremost. And as such, I'm for whoever or whatever benefits humanity as a whole. Powerful words from someone who clearly was not a professing Christian. He was a professing Muslim. And I hear more equity, justice, fairness from a man who at one time saw white people as devils based upon his philosophy and religion in the nation of Islam. But a man who can say, I'm for justice, I'm for truth, no matter who it's for or against, I'm on the side of truth. And shouldn't the church be where Malcolm is? But it's a sad day when the church is oftentimes, the white church, oftentimes trying to prove, support and reinforce this thing called white supremacy, which can never be wrong. This thing called white supremacy, which can never experience guilt. This thing called white supremacy that has permeated our country from 1619 to 2020. And the church has been a part of it, has been complicit along with the spirit. And are oftentimes supporting scales that do not stand for justice. I stand here today. I'm not saying that the police need to be defunded. But I am asking, why do the police need to be militarized? I'm for justice. I'm for what's right, no matter who is for or against. Because I believe that that's the side that the Lord would have us to be on. Father, thank you that you're with your people. 
You're walking us through the valley of the shadow of accusation, the shadow of depression, the shadow of loneliness, the shadow of despair, the shadow of racism, the shadow of darkness. But we know what's on the other side. It's life. It's light. It's truth. It's love. I just pray, Lord, that we'll be able to keep walking with you hand in hand and get there. I pray for the person in our church who has stumbled some. They're struggling not only with the affairs of life, but some of them may even be struggling with you on why you've allowed these things to keep happening and why these wounds keep opening up. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't close their heart to you, but let them open their heart to you. Let them trust you. You've never failed. You've stretched us, yes. You've failed us, never. Minister to them. I pray, Lord, again, that we will entrust our children into your hands, that we won't be ruled by fear, whether they live in our house or live out of our house, or if they live in our city or in another city, that we will entrust our sons and daughters of color to you. And for our white members in our church, Lord, I thank you that they are here. I thank you that they are here to bear our burdens, even though they may not understand it nor experience it the way we do. I thank you that they are here to empathize with us. I pray, Lord, that they will continue to learn biblical history, American history, current events, and continue to stand with us. I thank you for their voices. So often, Lord, um, they have no idea how the things they stand for in the gospel encourage me when I don't know what to say or do. I, I will read what some of the members of this church who are white will say as they voice their concerns and make their stands for justice and against injustice, for equity and against racism. And I'm thankful to be a part of this kind of family. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>